Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudharman. And joining me as always from sunny Shanghai, Darren Burns. Darren, we're hey. here to talk about we're here to talk about cricket. We are. We're back after a little bit of a brief hiatus. Yeah, I think you were on holiday. It was it seemed quite extravagant. <laughs> I was on holiday for five days during the uh, the May Day holiday. Well, good for you. I, I, I was. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was well deserved, Darren. I was. Meanwhile, you were jetting around from New York to South Africa, organizing yeah. your conferences. Uh, luckily, I have very little to do with the organization of the yes. conferences these days. You just uh, turn which, up. Exactly, which tends <laughs> to be why they run much better than they used to. Um, yeah, no, I, I basically circumnavigated the globe. I flew from. Uh, Hong Kong to New York to Johannesburg, back to Hong Kong. Um, and during the Johannesburg conference, I made a joke about ball tampering. Darren, they were rolling in the aisles in South Africa. <laughs> you couldn't were. believe it. They loved it. They loved it. It was really well received. You didn't mention anything about Sonny Bill Williams, did you? No, 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 no masks were being worn in the crowd or... <laughs> I may have I may have instructed people to remove certain images from social media. <laughs> okay. All yeah. Right. Now there, there's a lot of um, contentment, let's say, in South Africa about Australian cricket's predicament. Yes. Um, much Schadenfreude. Much Schadenfreude. So I guess that's as good a place to start as anywhere. Um, Australian cricket. Yeah. Shall we start with the latest goings on in Australia? Where the latest monkey business. <laughs> where Australia has a new coach. They do. Um, tell us, yeah, tell us about... Mm. I think we sort of expected it, didn't we? we were, I guess we were hoping that um, Gillespie might be appointed or somebody else, but I, I think they're always going to default to Justin Langer. He seemed to be groomed for the role. I don't know if anyone's watched his press conference, but I thought it was highly amusing. Um, <clears throat> he comes across as a very kind of down-to-earth funky guy you know some of the highlights for me from the press conference were that he he said he he's a bit of a hippie and that he likes to walk around for a month of the year with no shoes on and grow a beard um until his daughters demand that he cuts the beard off and wears shoes and has a shower that was quite revealing i thought i'm not wow. sure what it tells us about him really um we also found out that he and ricky ponting and many of the other cronies in the senior echelons of australian cricket are like brothers the band of mm. brothers, and they would do anything for each other. So um, I'm not sure if that really stands us in good stead for a whole house cleaning exercise that is coming up uh, with the new committee that's been appointed. Yeah, that whole band of brothers stuff is a little weird. Um, the hippie thing, I just wonder whether he's trying to maybe say, look, you know, Jason Gillespie, I understand he's, he's definitely much more left field than me, but you know, I'm a bit crazy too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've been known I'm to also not shave. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've never really seen Justin Langer as someone from the, from the alt left. Yeah. Can't, I can't and really I, see him eating vegan food. Yeah. Not really sure of his views on nuclear non-proliferation. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he, I think he was also trying to break, because there's a rumor, well, a rumor, the reputation of, is that he's kind of a really serious kind of character. So I think he was, he did a bit of media training and he's kind of trying to, you know, 
fill out his his figure and, and make himself more rounded and a bit more likable, maybe. So, so let's see. Um, Did he cry at the press no, conference? No, he didn't cry. That's, that seems to be he didn't de rigueur <laughs> for Australians these days. I think everyone's uh, over the crying now. Okay. <laughs> They've cried all okay. their tears. All right. Well, as, as we've said before, he was the, um, I guess, the man in waiting. He'd been groomed yeah, for the role. It would have been a little bit unfair if he hadn't got it. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure on him now. For sure Would you is. not say? He's, you know, it's kind of seen as a, I wouldn't say an easy position, but um, fairly straightforward job, uh, Australian cricket coach, especially if you've had an illustrious playing career. Yeah. Um, but now he actually really has, he's going to be judged on a number of other metrics. Yes. Uh, outside of just winning games. Do you think he has what it takes? I, I think it remains to be seen. I know Rick McCosker is, is, is apparently leading this sort of investigation or Royal Commission type deal. And I, I, th I see they've brought in Shane Watson uh, as, one of their, one of the, as one of the team for that uh, thorough examination of the culture of Australian cricket, which I think is a bit bizarre. Um, and also we see Darren Lehman has been appointed at a more grassroots level. Uh, as a coach. And of course, we should make it very clear that Darren Lehman actually stood down. He was not sacked. No. Some, some people seem to recollect incorrectly. Uh, but, it, it, you know, they keep talking about this new culture and new day and all this stuff. Uh, it remains to be seen if anything will really change at all or whether it's more of a kind of box, tick, box ticking exercise. Um, so let's see. Give, we've got to give him a chance, though, don't we? I think. We should give him a chance. I agree with that. Um, Darren Lehman coming back like you said, he, he'd not been found guilty of anything. It, it doesn't look great, though, I will say that, just from a perception yeah. view. Just the optics are not excellent, because it's quite quick. I and mean, it's it, too early, I agree. Exactly, I think it's yeah. Too... They, they could have waited yeah, too soon. a little bit of time. It does look like jobs for the boys. It does. Um, which part of the problem. Shane Watson, wasn't he one of the aggrieved parties during a homework game? He, he was. And I do think Shane Watson was also very well thought of by the players. And I think he's a, he's a player rep leader uh, mm. as well. So, Dressing room lawyer. Maybe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Watto, and, and gee, hasn't he been playing well in the IPL? He's had a bit of a rejuvenation on Watson. Um, yeah. He, he, so they brought in a couple of ex-players as well. So let's see what they get to. I'll be, I'll be very curious once they, once they get this report out, which is supposed to be out, I think, next month sometime. So uh, it'd be very interesting to see what comes out of that and if they actually implement any of the recommendations. So I think time will tell, as it always does. Okay. So let's move on. Um, let's talk about... It's a year of firsts. Afghanistan are going to play their first test match yes. in June. Quite soon, actually. Yep. Um, sadly, the Indian captain will not be present for this test match. Virat Kohli will instead be playing for Surrey in the county championship, which I think is a real shame, actually. Can we, um, can we um, unpack that a little bit? Sure. Well, why do you think he, he's not playing in that test? Because of the commitments to Surrey, really. He's playing for Surrey for a month, I think, I more or less. In the lead-up to the test series, but still doesn't, exactly. doesn't international cricket take precedence over everything else? Well, apparently not, Darren. Apparently not when it includes 
Afghanistan, perhaps. I mean, I, I think if imagine... it was... Well, I was going to say Steve Smith, but, but I shouldn't say him anymore. You, you can absolutely I, I, imagine Steve Smith missing I, I test matches. I can't imagine him saying, oh, I'm going to go play for Surrey. I'm not playing a test match. Sorry. It's, it's, it's a bit arrogant. Well, it, it is a little bit, but I think he's been given, um, or at least the, 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 the suggestion is that the BCC, BCCI wants him to play county cricket rather than the Afghanistan test match. Um, and they want him to play county cricket because uh, they want him to get some overs in uh, in English conditions before the series. And they look, it looks like they've deemed the Afghanistan test match a little less important, perhaps, than some other tours. And I think that's a real shame, actually, because it is Afghanistan's first test match and they should really be playing a full-strength Indian team. Yeah. Uh, so that's that is that's a shame. I I I think it's a good thing though overall that Kohli is playing for Surrey, um, and you know in India will still provide a stern test for us Afghanistan despite Kohli's absence. I guess. Yeah. Um, I think it should be interesting. Now, it should be. Yeah, it's in Bangalore as well, um, which is always I think a good venue. The test cricket. Um, so that's Afghanistan's first test match. But before that, we had Ireland's first test match. Technically started two days ago, but the first day was rained out, so it really got underway yesterday in Dublin, where at one stage Ireland had reduced Pakistan to 159 for six. For six, yeah. Down. And all of us familiar with Pakistan cricket perhaps thought, well, this is it. They're going to yeah. fold for. For 190 odd, and possibly they won't take the field after this. Um, but instead, the Pakistanis <laughs> regrouped. They did. And uh, kind of won the last session um, some, some strong lower order uh, contributions. Um, and they, can, they took the score away to 270 odd. For six, but a pretty yeah. good start for Ireland. Yeah, I think so. You would have to say. Yeah, and a good rearguard, I think, from Ashraf and uh, and Shadab Khan at the end. But it could have been a lot worse. It could have been two, sub two hundred score quite easily. Uh, it's probably a bit of a green seamer, though, isn't it? And so, you know, let's say they get up to three hundred odd or something like that, three hundred plus. It remains to be seen how Ireland will do. But great first, well, second day really, because the first day was rained out. But really, a great performance from Ireland, and they've done themselves quite proud. I, I would say. Yeah, I mean the the. The thing with Ireland is their bowling looks, at least on paper, stronger than their batting. Toby Murtor, Boyd Rankin, Boyd Rankin, very, very experienced bowlers from the county championship uh, and the conditions in Dublin would have, would have suited them ideally. However, as we know well, the conditions in, in Dublin will suit the Pakistan bowlers pretty well. Sure. Uh, and I think... Um, Muhammad Amir will be uh, will be licking his lips. Um, you betcha. At this one, so uh, thirteen debutants in this match. Obviously, eleven from Ireland, uh, but two from Pakistan. Imam Ul Haq, who we discussed previously, yeah. um, related to one Inzamam Ul Haq. Correct. Uh, only scored seven before being removed, and in fact uh, took a took a bad blow off the first ball, which I think. I think I recall seeing was perhaps the longest first ball 
in uh, in in an inaugural test match. <laughs> the longest first ball. <laughs> it was because he, he he required some treatment. Did he? He did. Um, the other Pakistan debutant, Fahim Ashraf, as you mm. pointed out, did very well. Sixty-one off sixty-nine balls on yeah. debut, on debut, debut. So, so well done to him. Um, yes. And I'm going to tune in to that later on today. Uh, I found it just very pleasant. It, it's a nice ground in Dublin. They've got a decent turnout for the ma- for the match. The weather looks, or at least looked good yesterday. It didn't look so good two days ago. Um, I hope Ireland get more games. I think it's great to see it. You know, in an era where we're talking about T20 and and you know the hundred and this kind of stuff that you know more and more Test cricket is being played. We see Ireland coming in and playing their debut Test, and this year, as you mentioned, against. India, Afghanistan will also play their first test. So at the same time, we are expanding test cricket a little bit, which is great to see. Uh, long may it last. Great to see, but if Ireland do play India, let's not expect Virat Kohli to turn up. <laughs> yeah, it's like below his pay grade. He might be playing <laughs> club cricket in Tasmania or he something. He might be, yeah. <laughs> or maybe playing some, some, uh, some club cricket with, with Dave Warner and um, his mate Steve Smith in Sydney. Yeah. Perhaps. Over, um, he probably prefers that to a, to a game or a test match against Ireland, which he probably thinks is way below him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Virat. He can't win either way. He can't, he can't win. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move to the IPL now, where yeah. as our dedicated IPL correspondent, I'm relying on you to fill us in. I still have trouble following... The IPL teams, I'm going to come out and admit it. I find K- KKR, KXIP, I find them all kind of interchangeable. I, I do, and I sometimes I, I don't remember who's playing for which team. <laughs> I can't remember mm. who's the captain. It's very hard. It's and, really hard. It just hard. seems like you know, on, on the weekend when Saturday and Sunday, there's always two games, right? A double header. So you, you kind of get lost in the sort of two games and it's action packed. What I would say this year is that the audiences are up around the world big time. I think that's in some part due to the fact that there's more British or English players, um, Australian players, West Indian players, um, Afghanistani players. It really draws in a bigger crowd. There have been some great finishes. I mean, I'm going to say half the games have been down to the last over or so. Um, So it keeps you in the hunt all the way through and it's fascinating to watch. And almost all the games are sold out. So there's a great atmosphere when you watch it and you turn it on in the background. It's, it's, It's really cool to watch. Um, there's been a couple of interesting things for me. I think the Sunrisers, Sunrisers Hyderabad have done extremely well, uh, especially the, as a bowling unit. Um, and led by Kane Williamson in place of David Warner, they've done particularly well. Uh, and imagine if David Warner was back in that side opening. I think they're shorter batsmen. But, um, well, that's a pretty, pretty great bowling unit they've got, uh, led by Rashid Khan. Uh, Rashid Khan, um, Siddharth Kaul. Siddharth Kaul, who's been a real find. Shakib um, Al Hassan has yeah, done very kept, well for them. You know they've kept they've 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 defended some modest totals in the one twenties and one thirties and won the match. It's 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 damn impressive on some of these small grounds. So they've been a real find. Bhuvneshwar Kumar as well. Although um, just mentioning the sunrises, we should say yesterday, um, or was it yesterday? It was two days ago, in fact. Rishabh Pant yes. um, responded to his snub. His non-selection for both 
India squads for England, both the one-day squad and the T20 squad, kind of inexplicable. Very, ex- very, um, very surprising. And he responded to this by scoring the highest, uh, well, basically recording the highest score for an Indian batsman in the IPL, 128, I think, off 60 balls or so against the Sunrisers, against the best bowling attack in the tournament, including yeah. taking 70 off 24 balls against Rashid and Bhuvneshwar. Um, which is pretty impressive stuff, and you really have to wonder why he's been left out of yeah. the team. He, he's, you know, responding in the well. best possible fashion. Um, yeah, he, he's a leading run scorer in the IPL this, this season now, and he's been in, in great form. So having him left out of the short format to tour India, to tour England, I'm sorry, is, is very surprising indeed. I yeah, although that. it's a shame because his batting doesn't seem to be making that much of a difference for your team. Delhi Daredevils, who <laughs> remain firmly rooted to the bottom of the table. Yeah, I, I always said they're a dark horse, um, and they're actually out of contention now. <laughs> so they're the, the first team to to definitely not qualify for the for the finals. So they're out wow. of action. Okay. Well, you have to say, despite your support, it's not that big a surprise. I don't think um, the bookmakers had them at at, at, uh, at very short odds no, they, at all. No, they didn't. Um, so they are out. Uh, Royal Challengers Bangalore, who are playing. Who didn't? Did they not win yesterday? They did. Yeah, they did. So it was I, a bit I, of they, a a bit of a show from Ab De Villiers and Virat Kohli to chase down that score. So they're still in contention. I mean, Rajasthan Royals. I don't know. They they almost should be relegated just because of Ashwin's captaincy. Um, you know, there's a quote a quote here from uh, from Ravi Ashwin. You'll not be able to predict my next move. All players you think are going to open will play in the middle order, and all middle order batsmen will open. <laughs> the other night, inexplicably, I was watching the game, and he he brought himself out at number three, uh, and he just I think he got a duck or something. He just I don't know what he's doing. He's mixing up the batting order, and you know, as a batsman, when you don't know where you're batting, it it's it's confuses your own team more than the op- opposition. I think. Uh, mm. and, and so he's he, getting a, a bit he, too clever. He's promised funky and boy, funky he's delivered in a very weird way. So I think they started the, uh, the IPL quite well, but they've really fallen away a bit in the last week or two. Um, mm. I think this was always the risk with Ashwin's captaincy. He is, he often seems to be a little too clever for his own good. Um, he, he's a smart guy. He knows he's a smart guy. And I think he kind of thinks he can get away with it. You know, even things like, you know, bowling leg spin, which I, you know, I kind of applaud that he's trying it. Yeah. I th- um, yeah. You sort of think it's, it's almost like he, he, he enjoys the gimmicks. Yeah. Um, having said all of that, I do think the one place where you can try all these things out is the IPL. It's one of the things I love about this tournament. Yeah. Is that it's kind of a, a, a lab for... The future of cricket. You see so many things that that get incorporated into cricket come out of the IPL. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think and, that, that is yeah. a great segue into the leading wicket taker this season so far, which is Andrew Ty, and he's definitely evolved his game around the T20 and the IPL. I mean, he he has so many mystery balls, knuckle balls, all these things, and I think last night he picked up four wickets in that huge uh, 
KKR total, um, all by changes of pace and deception, basically. Yeah, so um, KKR scored 245 for six, which... Is nuts. I don't know, if it, is it the highest total in the IPL? I, the highest total this year, but not the highest total ever. I think there was there's was been a couple more that's just over that, but yeah, close to it. Um, the other thing for me that's been outstanding this year is we talk a lot about spinners and wrist spinners in particular, but if you look at the top 10 wicket takers so far this year, the majority are indeed fast bowlers. Oh, so really? Who's doing well? So Andrew Tai? So it's the return of the fast bowlers, really. Andrew Tai, Hardik Pandya, Trent Bolt. Um, then there's Makande, of course, the leg spinner, then Oraman. But then after that is Umesh Yadav. There's Siddharth Kaul in the top 10. Mitchell McLennick and your buddy. Um, <laughs> and just outside there is Jasper Bumra. So a lot of kind of fast bowlers up in that, in that top 10 at the moment. Interesting. And when you're watching the matches, I mean, what what are you seeing? It's not the surfaces, I wouldn't have thought. Why do you think the fast bowlers are doing better? I think they, I think they've evolved their craft much better than they had in the last couple of years. You know, these things, these knockables and just the variety they bowl. And that's why the spinners do well, right? They bowl a lot of variety. The spinners that do very well bowl a lot of different deliveries, right? Which in T20, you need to do that. You can't get somebody used to a certain delivery, so they've evolved their skills quite a lot. Um, that's been the big difference, I think. And also, you, you notice more strategy around who they bowl to. I think that's come in, in the last year or two where the bats, where the captain will think, okay, Chris Lynn's coming out to bat. I'm going to bring in a left-arm spinner, and, then he, and, he, and whoever comes after him, I'm going to bring a slow, this bowler, because he, he gets out to this bowler a lot. So a lot, a lot more money ball stuff going on where they're looking at percentages and stuff like that. And this has really been part of the, the T20 and, and especially on the IPL this year. There's a lot more, I think, baseball sort of tactics around percentage cricket. Uh, and you see that a lot. And I think also evolving their craft, uh, I would say as well. So it's quite interesting, I think. It is interesting, for sure. Um, so today's big match is the clash at the top of the table. Sunrisers Hyderabad versus the Chennai Super Kings, who are, of course, well, this match is in is in um, Pune, of course, because that's where Chennai is playing. Did you know that the Chennai Super Kings franchise has been putting on a train that to carry yes. one thousand fans to each match from Chennai the to Pune? Army. Yeah, that's a long, that's a long journey. I think it's a twenty-four hour train trip, isn't it? Uh, Something I, like that. I, it's quite far. I don't think it's that long. Um, Let's just call it 24. Chen... It sounds better. Yeah, okay. I think okay, it's an overnight not? train anyway. Let's put it that way. It's definitely overnight. It's not or, a two-hour train. Or it would train. take... No, no, no. There, there are no bullet trains in um, in India. Not yet. Uh, but no, not yet, no. But it's a long journey for these thousand fans. And then they go back. And then I guess another thousand come in for the next match. Um, but it seems to be working. Chennai Super Kings haven't really missed a step. Although I noticed in the last match on Friday, um, MS Dhoni was very upset with with the bowling performances. Um, you could see him shrugging, shaking his head in exasperation, uh, and and he even made some comments about the bowlers needing to commit to their plans. So he's not happy. He's stroppy. He does seem a little bit stroppy. I guess. As he gets older, though, you kind of expect this. He's yeah. becoming a little bit cantankerous. He's, get, he's getting a bit Alan Border-esque. Yeah, he's becoming a curmudgeon. <laughs> curmudgeon. He's MS yeah. Tony. He's got all these youngsters 
yeah. in his team. And he probably doesn't understand the music they're listening to, the dancing that goes on. Yeah. I, although I guess one of his bowlers is Harbhajan Singh, who's older than he is. Isn't that why he's in the team? Uh, maybe, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm amazed that Harbhajan Singh remains in the team, but he still does a job, doesn't he? He still kind of... Does he? I, I don't know. I, I assume so. I assume he wouldn't get picked otherwise. I, I see him on a team sheet, but I'm not sure what he's really done. Um, sorry, Badgie. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm doing Badgie a disservice. So he's there to, to keep Dhoni company. He's older than him. He could always slap one of the opposition players if they get out of line. Yeah, he's got... He's, he's got <laughs> he that in his locker. He's got Watto in there as well with him. So he's got Shane Watson there with you know, the older sort of you know cartel there. And of course, he's got Suresh Reiner in the team, his valet. Yeah, who, 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 <laughs> he who, does. Who will never be dropped. That's and right. Jadeja. He's really got all his buddies at this team, yeah, don't he? he? I don't know why he's so upset. He really has surrounded himself with, with friends. Um, now, do you think the Super Kings can win today's match? Because it looks like Sunrisers still hold all the cards here. I think they, I mean, the great thing about these matches, let's be honest, anybody can win. Um, so I can't wait to watch that game. I mean, it's, it's very hard to predict a, t a game, but I mean, I think CSK are, on, are in form. You know, Sunrise is Hyderabad, they're a bit light on in batting. They're sort of missing a big hitter like like Warner. I think they they probably know that. Um, so yeah. I, they I, need I, Alex Hales to come yeah, off, don't they? That's they do. The thing. Yeah, and I, I think if Williamson doesn't do well, they probably won't do very well. So um he needs to be sort of the glue for the inning. So let's see. But I, I, I don't think they're capable of scoring a 200-plus score, where I, whereas I think CSK could do that. Um, but they can defend a now, lot of scores. So. You, you, mm. you say anyone's capable of winning, to which I would add, except for the Delhi Daredevils. Okay, then. So I think that kind of concludes our whip round. It does. For this week. So as today's special installment, let's talk a little bit <laughs> about cricket in North Korea. North Korea, of course, in the headlines every day at the moment for this upcoming summit. But 10 years ago, Darren, you took part in a bilateral sporting summit <laughs> of a very different kind. Yes. In fact, it was, was it not the first cricket tour to North Korea? We believe it was the first cricket tour. And actually, this month is the 10th anniversary of our cricket tour to North Korea in 2008. Um, it was quite an adventure. Uh, I'd like to think that some of the cricket we played there did have something to do with the current like thawing in relations, <laughs> although mm. I believe it's a bit of a tenuous uh, uh, call at the very best, I, think, I suppose. But um, yeah, so the tour, two Shanghai teams toured North Korea 10 years ago. We played an exhibition match in front of a huge crowd of 10 or 12 people. Um, oh really? <laughs> it all came in about at, from a bet at a bar in Shanghai that we that we couldn't actually tour there. Um, wow! Because okay. of that, so how did you get it off the ground? Was so, there a well at that point we were doing a lot of tours. Shanghai cricket was touring to. There were some Sixers tournaments and we were playing some games against some Hong Kong teams and going to Hong Kong and Macau and the Philippines and Thailand and many different places. And then people thought, you know, where haven't anybody played before? And obviously North Korea came up in the conversation. One of the guys made a bet. I think it was something like 10,000 RMB, which is about, you know, 1,500 US dollars that we couldn't have a cricket match in North Korea. There's no way they'd approve it. Uh, there's no way we'd get kit there. Uh, and actually this guy managed to work with DHL and some other partners and get, a, get our 
Matt sent there, get our kits sent there, and actually had it have a tour. Mm. So, who was the 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 team you played against in North Korea? So we actually played against two Shanghai teams. Um, oh, in North Korea. So you weren't actually playing North Korean cricketers. <laughs> no, I mean, there was there were no North Korean cricketers. So we actually did some warm up games and and sort of fun stuff, and we actually played with a few of their guys who were baseball players. Okay. And they really got into it. It was it was quite interesting. Right. Did you find any North Korean cricketers anywhere? We did actually, and so our our bus driver turned out to be a very handy fielder and batsman <laughs> indeed. He, he was a former baseball player and he loved it. He was running around the outfield and throwing the ball in, and um, so he would be their captain if they did come into the international stage, I believe. I see. And and did you did you find that the 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 powers that be in North Korea it wouldn't it wouldn't be Kim Jong Un, of course, ten years ago it would have been his his father. Um, did they take an interest in these? Proceedings, or did, or did they perhaps um, dismiss it as the work of the devil? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think we, we didn't actually meet Kim Jong-il in person, which we expected would happen. We expected there would be red carpet and laid out and we'd yeah. have a state visit. But actually the night before, because when you go to North Korea on a tour, you have to go through certain tour groups. One of them is called Koryo Tours, and they only fly from Beijing into North Korea. And the night before, I was staying at a friend's house, and we were leaving together in the morning to the airport. And I had this vivid dream, um, because as many of you know, I work in public relations. And my dream was that I was in North Korea in the hotel, and one of the um, minders summoned me to a meeting. And so I said, sure, I'll go along to the meeting. And they said, they said please come and see the dear leader. And I was like, oh. wow, I'm going to meet you know, Mr. Kim. That's amazing. Wow, okay, all right. So I walk into this big palatial residence, and he's got women f with f palm fronds, you know, sort of... I was waiting for women to make an appearance sort of, you know, in this dream. Fanning him, and he had all these TVs on the wall, watching CNN and all these things, and he was in a sort of observation deck. And he was very friendly. He welcomed me in. He said, I've, I've heard you're in public relations. I thought we could have a chat about our image and how do we build, you know, a communication strategy to let people understand more about North Korea. And I said, sure. And we, we had a chat for a while, and everything was nice. We had a glass of wine. And then I said to myself, wow, it's getting a bit late. I probably need to go back to the team now. And he looked at me and said, I think there's been a misunderstanding. You can't ever go back to your team, ever. Oh. And then I woke up in a cold sweat. Wow. Um, oh, my God. I, and the next, this is too much. And the next morning, I said to myself, should I get on this bloody plane? Because <laughs> I was quite nervous. Because all those things about North, you hear about North Korea coming to your mind. And um, I, I hardened up and just did it anyway. Um, and so 22 men got on the plane from Beijing and flew into North Korea. And we flew in on a 1970-odd Tupolev, which barely got off the tarmac before it took over the tree line. So this thing screeched. It was like, and screeched and just cleared the tree line. And then we flew and landed in Pyongyang. And we were the only airplane at the airport. And of course, when you arrive, they took away everything. So they searched you, took away your phone, your computer. It was put in a locker when you were there, so you can't bring any electronic equipment whatsoever. Um, they search your cameras and go through everything and make sure there's nothing untoward there. Um, but apart from that, the people were super friendly. <laughs> so we need to go back to this dream because there's a lot there, Darren, really. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm kind of uh, both amazed and a little scared of your subconscious. Yeah. Um, I had no idea you harbored such dreams of <laughs> handling public relations for the North Korean regime. Um, 
And I'd be curious to know what your employers would make of this yeah. kind of an assignment. We we certainly would never take probably like take the assignment. But what I was what I thought we were doing in my dream was he was, I was offering some him some tips on what they might do. Uh, but obviously the idea was he was going to keep me there forever uh, as, right. a, as a prisoner and I could never leave. Um, yeah. Like the Hotel California. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like, yeah, you'd be in kind of PR prison working for <laughs> Kim Jong-il. It's, it's true. Mm. Um, it's, it's almost like a fate worse than death. It, it is. It's like those kidnapped scientists, right? I, yeah. I, I kidnap PR dude. <laughs> I've, I've got to call journalists and stuff and say, you know, under duress and ask them to please write stories or interview with, with, with the dear leader and, you know, that kind of stuff and wow. run their crisis management for them and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, from my perspective, people. it would be such a great story. I'm kind of sad it didn't happen. <laughs> but yeah. um, for your sake, I'm, I'm glad it was only a dream. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, but yeah, let us know if you have any other dreams that involve <laughs> cricket, PR, and military despots. Yeah. I mean... The other thing, of course, in North Korea, when we were there 10 years ago, um, nobody had ever seen cricket, of course. They, people had no idea what was going on. Um, they watched it, and they watched us warm up and train, but they really had no idea. And We were there during the May, May holidays, which is a big deal in North Korea, as it is in most communist regimes. Um, and we ended up playing a tug of war with some of the local people that was, of course, arranged by our minders, um, which is very interesting. And, of course, there's no advertising in North Korea. So wherever you go, there's no billboards, there's no TV commercials, there's nothing. There's one TV channel, although I think there's more now, but there was only one TV channel then. Um, and that ran for half the day, which was super interesting. Um, Perfect for cricket, really. Yeah. And we went, to the, we went to the DMZ on the North Korean side and tried to wave at the troops south of the border. They didn't find it very amusing, I must say. Were um, you waving bats? Yeah. Or just waving? <laughs> we didn't wave our bats. Um, we didn't wave our balls either. Um, Needlessly provocative, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, we actually went into that. We actually went into that room that crosses the border, the DMZ, um, which was quite fascinating. What was the the surfaces like? Green tops, it, it dust was, bowls. It was a very green top because we actually brought our mat and rolled it across the turf. So it's you brought your own pitch. Of course, okay. we had to. You know, there was nothing right. else there. Um, okay. Interesting. And so since this tour 10 years ago, have you seen any, any other signs of cricket in North Korea? Zero. Zero. <laughs> okay. so I, I think it had, we, a, had a lasting influence. It, <laughs> but like I said before, it's probably cricket diplomacy, um, a bit like table tennis in the 70s with China and the US. Um, I think, you know, we, we've talked about going back there, and, but, but I think it was sort of a one-off thing. And I, I think now given that North Korea is in the headlines and we seem to be having a bit of a detente, which we hope lasts with real actions. Yeah, it's quite nice. Um, yeah, well, maybe the, the US team should, um, should, should get in touch with you. Maybe we, can play, tips. A, maybe we can play a hundred tournament there. Well, it's, it's in Singapore. And of course, the Singa Singapore has, has a few, more than a few decent cricket grounds. Um, it does. So there's def definitely potential. I think there is. Maybe a sort of Asian T20 tournament or Asian 100 tournament there. Yeah. It's a fascinating story. Yeah. Um, I think you should mark the anniversary perhaps by returning. <laughs> we should. I think it would be very difficult to get a tour off the ground again. But if anybody wants to join it, let me know. 
and we'll see yeah, what we and can I, do. <laughs> and just, I mean, I'd just love to see what, what the dream is this time Yeah. as well. I mean, I think the most bizarre incident that happened when we were there, one of my friends from the AP, uh, the Associated Press, said to me to be very careful when you go there. And he said, in your hotel room, there's, you know, there's obviously mirrors that are being filmed and people watching you through the mirror. Uh, and I thought, yeah, whatever. It sounds very James Bondy and whatever, but it actually turned out to be totally correct. So you stay on this, in North Korea, you had to stay on this kind of manufactured island in the lake in the middle of Pyongyang, uh, sort of an Alcatraz for foreigners. Uh, and there's a building there in a, in a hotel and you can't leave that little island. There's a little bridge to it. You can't go off it. Um, and we, we were bunked there, you know, two guys to a room, two single beds. Um, and he said to me, you know, be careful in the mirror. Don't do anything weird because they're filming you and they could use it or whatever else. And everyone was like, yeah, whatever. But what was very curious is that every day they would wash the clothes and fold them and put them on the correct bed. So they were definitely watching so they us. Knew. So they knew. Yeah, and they, they were probably wondering, what is this guy doing practicing with this this stick of wood in front of the mirror all day long for? <laughs> and why does he keep playing this shot that results in zero runs? That's right. Wafting at the air. So it, it was quite curious, I must say. All right. Excellent. Well, that's a great story for us to conclude this episode with. Um, we'll be back soon, I think next week, and, and possibly we'll have one of our uh, irregular guests on, maybe to talk about English cricket or, or even the IPL. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh, and I think just one thing before we sign off is please do leave a review um, or even give us a ranking. Just hit five stars on the on the iTunes or the... Definitely five stars. Definitely five stars, please. Give us, a, give us some love on Facebook or whatever because it all helps us. So, so thank you and see you soon.